What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Social Media Mindset Podcast. The place where we invite real people to talk about their journey on social media. We'll dig deep into the mindset it takes to be yourself, create massive value, and do it over and over again. This could be the episode that changes your business and life for the better. So let's go. What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Social Media Mindset. And I I am so pumped. You know, there there's very few guests that I get nervous when when I have them on my show. And and this guest, he he makes me nervous because he's just he he's just really good at what he does. And it's crazy, Richard, because I heard about you from a from a mutual friend of ours. And I go to Facebook to look you up. And I go, what the heck? We're already Facebook friends. How in the world is this possible? And so we lived probably really close to each other in Oklahoma, but somehow never crossed paths until just recently. But but thank you so much for, for being on the show with me. It's an honor. Yeah. I've seen your name in my news feeds, my news feeds from time to time. It's, but, it's so uh, wild. I've never and- connected with you. One day we're going to figure out why God held us up from from meeting until now and and it'll all make sense, right? At some point in the future. But for for listeners guys, if you don't know who Richard Milligan is, let let me just give you just a, a touch of his rap sheet. He 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 spent years and years and years in the mortgage industry and and really identified that recruiting was being done wrong and and so his now shifted his focus to teaching people how to recruit through his company 4C recruiting. He he also and this is what people say about you Richard, whether you choose to accept it or not, you're 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 kind of a LinkedIn guru. Huh. And and so yeah. we're going to dig into LinkedIn today, which I'm super pumped about. You're also a sought after speaker, right? We could name the people that that have brought you in to speak that everyone would know. And and so you're unbelievable at that and to just rub salt in the wound of everyone less talented than you, you're your podcast host of recruiting conversations of which thousands and thousands of people listen to. And somehow you found yourself on a lowly episode of the social media mindset with Kyle Draper. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that is not. So here we are. This is the highlight of my day. Come on. (laughs) I don't, I don't know if I believe it, but I'm going to pretend that that's true while we're on here together. And so Richard, you're, you're just fascinating to me because you, you achieve at a really high level. And, and I've been looking through a lot of your stuff. And a lot of times when people begin achieving at a high level, the humanity of them sometimes begins to, to kind of go away. And yet with you, it, it hasn't. I think it's only increased. And, and so in, in your business, one of the things that you kind of teach from is something that you call attractive leadership. Can you kind of unpack for just a couple minutes like what, what attractive leadership is and the benefit that it brings to people? 
Yeah. So, you know, Kyle, when I launched my company, 4C Recruiting in 2017, I, I um, built a coaching curriculum and I tried to figure out how do I put into a framework why I had two real different seasons of recruiting because I spent 11 years struggling to recruit. Okay. Uh, I hired 45 people in 11 years. So if you do the math, I'm hiring about four people or one person per quarter. Um, yeah. And the same guy, same core value system, hardworking, you know, super passionate, all these things like same guy in 2014 uh, changes. And in a matter of three years, built 18 teams and hired over 300 people. So wow. I try to put into words, into a framework, like what happened, what changed in that? Yeah. Cause it, it, it was all me that, that changed. And so I went back to like early, uh, to early 2014 when I was recruiting and I was having all these wins and I can't figure out like why I'm having these wins and why things are so different. But I connected dots on a handful of things that had me reframing myself and, and structuring uh, what I was doing on the recruiting side differently. And so what I was doing that was a major difference was I had led with my company is amazing for 11 years. Yeah. And in 2014, I shifted and said, I understand that I'm the product. I'm the leader. I'm the product. How do I frame myself in a way that becomes attractive, magnetic to other people? And wow. so in that season, I figured out how to communicate who I was as a leader. And that's the attractive leader framework. And, and so when I'm talking about recruiting, recruiting is not complicated. It's a very simplistic uh, premise that I'm super excited about what, about what I have to talk about. And I transfer that energy or I transfer that passion to you. And, and people so that good. can transfer passion to people have no problem recruiting. And that's why I despise network marketers because I always buy their damn cream. I buy their, <laughs> you know, their ketones, whatever it is you're selling, I buy, but yeah. they figured out how to tap into the passion zone, right? And they transfer that energy to people. And because of that, they sell their product. And so as a leader, the attractive frame, leader framework is just that. How do we get leaders to a place where they're super passionate about what they have to offer, which is themselves to the recruit. And, and, and the leader that has that has this intangible thing. It's like, we can't even quite put a name to it. It's like, it's like an it factor. Like we all know what it is. We'll say that person has it. Well, what we're saying is that they're, they're enthusiastic. They're excited. They're able to communicate something clearly. There's something there that they can actually, you know, um, speak to people almost just even in a body language that gets people energized to just connect with them. I mean, I've offered lots of people jobs, had no experience in what, they, what I was going to offer them a career in, but sure. I knew they had it, right? So that what I figured out is that in my own life where I got it, where it was where I got really clear on my vision. Like, okay. like where am I going? Right? Like that's, that's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of energy around knowing where you're going. Right. And so how I classify vision is it's the roadmap to what we want to achieve. Right. So another way to frame it would be what's your strategic plan for growing, for building, for accomplishing the large dream, the goal. And one of the things that over a window of time I became clear around vision is that most people, when we start talking about vision, think that it's a goal. I want to hire X mm. number of people. I want to do X amount of volume. I want to, you know, um, it's always typically numbers centered. So I figured this out. It was like, I've always been very goal oriented. That's typically, what am I going to do in 2021? What am I going to do maybe in a two-year or a three-year window? But yeah. I, I, the, the epiphany I had was this, is that in Hebrew, the word vi vision is actually a word that's called kazon. And the word kazon in Hebrew, which is an original language, is, is classified as dream. 
And I was wow. like, I'm not really dreaming. When I'm thinking like, what's my goal to grow my team by 30% this year, my number by 30%, I'm not really dreaming. And so I took a window of time and I backed away from my business for about two weeks. And I really began to dream like, and not just dream within a year or two or three years. I went so far out, Kyle, that anything was possible. Wow. Like, and so, so when you back up 10 years and you're like, what's possible in a 10 year window? Everything's a possibility, right? I'm 48, but I could literally leave my career as a recruiting coach, consultant. I could become a doctor, get my degree, launch my own practice. And if at the age of 48, I could do that, anything's possible, right? And right. A Absolutely. So the vision component so, is an important part of this. So in, in, a, in a weird way, and I don't know why this is where my head's going, but I just feel like whenever from now on, when you and I get together, we'll probably talk about things that we may not have planned to talk about because of just, I think, our deep-rooted similarity in our faith and who we are and our desire to serve people. Because when I hear you talk, I go, is that maybe why divorce happens? Because people blame the other person, right? Like they think they fell out of love with the other person when really they may have just lost having vision as a couple. And it really had nothing to do with the other person more so than you just having blinders on and, and not having any, any clear vision at all of like where you want to go next is, I mean, is that, is that far it's, it's from, a, it's a human factor. It's not just a business factor. It's not a growth yeah. factor. It's a, there's a human element here, right? Which is that um, it's clarity, right? Part of it's clarity. Where are we going? Why are we doing this? I was in a conversation with a, with a huge producer two weeks ago um, and we're having a conversation around um, what really motivates him. And, and he asked me this question. He said, what if, what if someone's only motivated by money? And I was like, then there always comes an end game to that. And he's like, well, yeah. what do you mean? There always comes a place where you run out of like motivation to keep doing this guy sure. puts his hands in his, in his, it puts his head in his hands for like 10 seconds. It doesn't talk. And he comes back and he goes, that's me. I can't figure out why I can't get motivated. This guy's making north wow. of seven figures a year. Wow. So, so the dream factor is a big part of it. In fact, um, this was a survey I saw probably seven years ago. It was a survey of couples that had been divorced and they asked them, they were asking them, why did you go through divorce? And the number one answer was financial issues. We couldn't get on the same page with our finances. Um, and then the second leading answer to that question was people said we stopped dreaming together. Wow. We virtually stopped having vision together, right? And when we start talking about the you know biblical stuff, the Bible says that where yeah. there's no vision, people actually die. And I don't think it means even physically die, but I think part of it is they physically die. S surveys show that people live 15 to 20% longer when they actually have something to do, some, some something that wow. brings them alive, right? So it's a human element as much as it is a business element, but but in business, it's so lacking. That's why if you are as someone who wants to build a team, that if you're super energized about where you're going and it's something really big and exciting that you're inviting people into, other people will get excited about it because most leaders are just saying, you know, if I'm in real estate, I'm on a manufacturing line. I got a transaction. I give it to this person. This person takes it to this place. It's, it's just a manufacturing line is all it is. There's not a whole lot that energizes people around a manufacturing line that I can think of, right? Well, then right. you're both on a car door. It's not that exciting, right? So if the, as, as leaders, right. it's our job to say, look up, right? And, and if yeah. I was on a manufacturing line, you told me to look up and I could see the finished product, where it was going, this beautifully finished car, right? I can see the vision for my role in this. And a lot of people have no vision around that. 
So they don't have any clue what their what the larger story is that they're a part of. They don't have any clue around the motivation of like why they would do this today. So they come alive and they're just on a manufacturing line. And over one of time, you lose passion, you lose motivation. And it's hard to transfer that energy to people and get your current team excited or a new potential you know, team member excited about it. it it's so good. This is so good. And so, I mean, we don't have time to unpack all of this. And so much of this is, is in your coaching program, which I'm not asking you to, you know, give away on my podcast because I can't afford that. And so, you know, but what's the first, you know, what's the first step? And so I guarantee you there's people listening to this episode that are like, you, you are describing me. This is me. Yeah. I'm, I have all them. Like I have all the it's that I, that I wanted early in my career. I was like, if I could have that, you know, man, I'd feel great. What, what's just the first step in the right direction for somebody to kind of re-identify a deeper rooted passion than just, I want to be successful in business. Well, I, I think one is, um, I'll tell you what I did. I got on a plane. I flew to Nashville, Tennessee. I, I booked an Airbnb for four days straight by myself. Backed up the Cumberland wow. River. That house, back gate actually opened to the trail on Cumberland River because I needed to get away from all of this. Yeah. Right. And 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 you have to, there's a, there's a statement, we're drowning in noise today while starving for wisdom. Mm. We are drowning wow. in noise today. Right. I mean, you open up. I mean, we are nonstop social feeds all day long. The average Americans now over three hours in social media. And we've all, we're not even the leading country in this. Some companies are over four hours right now inside social oh media. Gosh. And so when you think about all the noise that's coming at us, we are drowning in this. Like we have no clear thoughts. We we've lost our passion for what we ultimately signed up to do, you know, whatever industry we're in a lot of times. And so you have to back away from that and strip all that away to get to a place of like you, yourself and I, because there's dreams. I honestly believe this. There's dreams in your heart, Kyle, that no one else has. There's dreams in my heart. No one else has. Right. And so it's like there's a specific mold that's being created, not just for something for us to do, which is our our purpose, our calling, right, where we can get really energized and excited. But there's these dreams, right, that no one else will conjure up, right? I don't think anyone was ever sitting around going, I want to become a recruiting coach and I want to actually right. teach this to <laughs> certain people. Like no one's fighting to get there, right? right. But I come alive right. in that space. I love it, right? Yeah, yeah. So one is like getting quiet so that you can ask yourself the questions like, where would I come alive? And part of that yeah. is you got to answer the question, why do I do this? Like, like, like what we do, no matter what you do is hard. What I do is hard. Okay. I love it, but it's still hard. And so being really clear on why I do this is as a part of this, as a, if you're a real estate agent or you're a loan officer or a branch manager or whatever industry you're in, I would start with the premise of like, why and why to me it's, it's an intrinsic cause or belief that inspires me to do more and inspires me to be more. Right. And so well, I'm real clear on my why my I serve a community of people and I and I've I have convinced myself of this fact that I think that my community has the most difficult job on planet Earth. If you've ever been in a recruiting leader role, your role is to actually motivate unmotivated people to make a change. Oh, yeah. Right. And it's like, that's got to be the hardest job. It's like, like, (laughs) right. Like I'm happy where I'm at and I got to motivate you to come join my team. That has to be the most difficult job on planet earth. And so I will serve this community because I'm really clear. I think that person has the most difficult job because of that, but also because I'm very clear they, they juggle 12 to 15 balls every single day. 
They're yeah. the head of HR. They're the head of IT. They're the, they're the you know meeting planner, the birthday planner for the team. They're the ones that set the marketing strategy. Like I've gone through this process. I'm really clear on what the roles and responsibility are for this person. And then we're going to say, by the way, you're the head recruiter. And you're like, <laughs> wow, that's a full-time job in itself, right? And, right. In, and in most industries where you've got experienced people, like an experienced loan officer or an experienced real estate, they typically suffer from about 30% churn at the experienced person role every single year. So three out of 10 people will leave your team. So if you're mm -hmm. not growing, you're dying. You're unemployed right. in three years if you don't figure out how to grow and how to build. So I just give all that framework because I'm really clear on why I would serve my community. I mean, I, last year, I probably worked 20 all-nighters. And I don't have to anymore, Kyle. Like, why would you do that? Like, yeah. people are like, there's a screw loose in Milligan. He's just crazy driven. <laughs> I'm crazy clear that if I yeah. don't serve this community at the highest capacity, I can serve this community. There will not be anyone else that can serve them at this level because I've been designed so and created to serve and have a purpose in this community that if I don't fulfill it, no one can fulfill it. And yeah. I think that most leaders don't have the clarity of that piece. Well, and, and, you know, what, what's funny to me is, and it's not funny. I don't know why that's my default word. It's sad because I, you know, I come into all these offices teaching about social media and video and all the leaders there, most of them are like, oh my gosh, Kyle, we're so glad you're here. Our agents need this so bad. And I go, yeah, I'm glad I'm excited to be here. How are your videos? Well, you know, I mean, I don't, I, I, I don't, I don't produce anymore. And so I don't really feel like I need to, and we just have all this leadership, man, that I think everybody's just learned how to say the right things, but nobody's truly understood how to like live it out in their lives. Yeah. And I, I feel like personally, like that's the disconnect in leadership today. Yeah. Is that, is it, would would is that accurate? Is that inaccurate? based on what, what you've seen is um, lip service really easy in the world we live in today? I think the world, you know, futurists say today that the, that one year is the equivalent of the prior 200 years. That's how fast technology is accelerating, how fast things are getting wow. done today. I think the world has sped up and leaders haven't evolved and leaders haven't mm -hmm. changed. And so, you know, when you go back even a decade ago, uh, Kyle, it was 2019 that Facebook took over MySpace, it was 2009, that uh, Facebook took over MySpace for the top spot yeah. in social media. So we're 11 years, 12 years in the maturity of this. You go back prior to that. And as a leader, I do think that in that 10 to 20 year window ago, you could add one philosophy, one idea, and you could execute it within that philosophy of like, this is the way I lead. And today mm -hmm. the world's moving so fast that it isn't that like leaders haven't, wow. aren't, haven't managed the transition of that very well, which means that you as a leader, you are out to date if you're not up to date in the last 12 months. Wow. Right. And so like oh even, even yeah. social platforms are pivoting so quickly, you can become irrelevant in 2000, 2017. I was very relevant on LinkedIn. Uh, my engagement was off the charts and overnight LinkedIn changed the algorithm. I was not relevant. Right. Right. And so in a little pivot like that, a, a leader can get discouraged or frustrated or give up. And they're yeah. suddenly like leaders, uh, you know, leaders have to have followers. Think of it in terms of social. What's your following count? Like on LinkedIn, I've got 51, almost 51,000 followers. I'm very relevant on that platform because I have followers. Right. right. As a right. leader inside social, you can become irrelevant like that and influence and impact and all these things. They are tied to our brands. Like most people don't realize it. seven out of 10 recruits are now moving through social influence. 
and it affects right. everything. Yep. I mean, it affects like a little PS on a text message. PS, I'm active on LinkedIn. I'm active on Facebook. You can check me out here. That little PS, we've been able to prove this. 18% of people show up to a first meeting with you that you scheduled. That would no show you just because you're active on social with a PS on a text message confirming that, wow. that you set an appointment with them. So it's not just like the massive view of this, like you need yeah. social proof. It's in the micro. Like, think about that. We did this. Um, we, we worked with a company to A-B test why they were having about 45% of people they set appointments with no show recruiting meeting. We A-B tested everything. The biggest impact we made was 18 out of 100 people um, that were no showing showed up because we said, P.S. Richard's active on LinkedIn. You can check out his profile here. 18 out of 100 people showed up because Richard was active on LinkedIn. Wow. So That's I think a- the world's moving so fast, Kyle, that leaders, the challenge for leaders is to, to be relevant today, relevant in your leadership yeah. style, because generations come and go um, and, and how we lead, you know, a millennial is different than how we would lead a boomer. Um, sure. Now how we lead a, a Gen Z and being relevant in that conversation, understanding that um, it's, 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 it's complex. And so uh, commitment is ultimately what we're talking about. The commitment is this, like I say this all the time to myself, the current version of me, is not even hireable by the 10 year better version of me. Oh my gosh. What we're talking about, Kyle, is that level of commitment, right? Is that I wake up every single day and I'm not relevant even in a year unless I continue to grow and evolve as as Richard the leader, as Richard the coach, as Richard the father and husband, right? And so it's never been like that. I don't believe it's ever been like that, Kyle, until now. Wow. Yeah, you're. I mean, you're right. You're you're 100% right. And so let let's swing this conversation like relevancy leadership vision let let's take this to linkedin right so now the listeners are going oh my gosh richard you you're so right you're 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 giving me light bulb moments and and so i want to be that i want to use linkedin to to grow my brand to have better presence so like where where does one start when it comes to LinkedIn to, to even begin to increase the, the presence and awareness there? We tried to create a framework that was an easy, memorable, branded framework. Okay. So we call it our four C's. So it's just, you know, okay. we're, a, we're four C. Four C stands for foresight or being able to foresee um, the future. And so we took four C's and said, these are the things you got to follow if you're going to be relevant. And these are the things that um, that we do. So the first C of this is connections matter. Okay, average CEO on LinkedIn has 930 connections. That's a joke. You're a CEO. Okay, you should right. be able to get more than a, more than under a right. connections, right? So connections matter. Right. Connections matter for a number of reasons. Um, connections matter because if you if you're trying to impact a sphere of influence, you've got to be connected to them, or they don't see your content. You can't do things like endorse their profile or send them a message. So connections yeah. matter. You have to figure out how to build your connections. Okay. Okay. The second C that we follow is you have to have daily content. And the reason, and so I'm going to, I'm going to really lean into one time per day. You've got to have daily content because okay. what we, when we're talking in the recruiting front, most people want to be relevant, meaning I want an appointment with you. I want to share my vision with you and talk about inviting you into my team, right? That's relevancy, but you can't have relevancy until you have social proof. Social proof mm. requires visibility. What is visibility? Visibility means I'm posting daily. I show up on your newsfeed consistently. My name is, some, is a name that you recognize and you know. My face is a face that you recognize and know. Okay, so, so daily content is necessary. 
The third so C is communicating with your audience. Okay. Now, another way to frame that is engagement. Okay. You've got to be engaging with your news feeds. People miss this. If you go and you look and you can see this, go look at my post, go look at conversations taking back, going back and forth, not in the inbox, in the freaking news feed, right? It's like we're having conversations in the news feed, right? So you've got to communicate with your audience because this is where you become relevant, right? And I mean meaningful engagement. It's not like yeah. love this, like this, great share, solid post. I mean, it's like meaningful engagement. Say something of value in the engagement. You, that takes time, effort, and like, energy. Like actually care. Like actually value the the people that are on there. And it, it, this is so true. Like, well, obviously you're you're preaching this because you do it. I went to your page the other day and I tr I went to your activity and I was trying to find your posts. And dude, it took me 20 minutes to even get to one of your posts because every post was Richard commented on this, Richard commented on this, Richard commented on this. And, and so I think I'm discovering now, cause I told you the other day that like my LinkedIn sucks, you know, my content's awesome, but, but I'm yeah. getting nothing out of it. And it's because I post and ghost on LinkedIn. I spend zero time right now engaging with anyone on the platform. And, and now that you said that, that's probably 100% my issue. Yeah. How do relationships take place? It's an exchange of a back and forth, right? right. You share your story. Yep. I share my story, right? That's how relationships get built. Think of it yeah. as a relationship building platform. Uh, you know, this is LinkedIn's made the pivot, by the way. I mean, we used to think of LinkedIn as a recruiting platform is now a content hub is now so a business social media platform. Right. And so right. if you're still treating it like, you know, this, this, the reason why LinkedIn just recently changed its algorithm is limiting people to a hundred connections. Okay. Historically, you could have had anywhere from 3000 and 9,000 just in the last two months, LinkedIn changed it. Why? Because marketers wow. were trying to run the platform. They're right hooking yeah. inboxes, connecting to 500 people a week, throwing 500 right hooks, trying to build their business. Okay. LinkedIn saying, yep. let's not ruin the platform. Let's limit marketers from connecting with people because now they can't right hook the inbox so much that they ruin the platform. I love the move because, because yeah. it actually improves. It makes it more difficult for people that really want to build a brand and want to do it right. But it actually reduces the impact that marketers can have there. It's not a recruiting platform. It is a relationship building platform. How do relationships get built? Well, primarily through reciprocation, right? right? If, if yeah. relationships are one way, Okay, then there's not a two-way street. Like you do something nice for me, I do something nice for you. Like yeah. you invite me over to your house, I invite you over to my house. It's reciprocation that actually builds great relationships. We're missing right. that. Uh, like oh, some, uh, you'll look and see people post and then not not engage with other people. Uh, Brian Tracy wrote a book called The 21 Irrefutable Laws of Success in like 82. Okay, one of the laws of success from his book was the law of reciprocity. Right. Mm -hmm. If I give you something of value, you feel inclined to give me something of value in return. Right. Yeah. That's a human principle. So you can value outvalue people here and force people to start engaging with your content <laughs> is the bottom line. So communicating with your audience wow. matters. And the last part, which is probably the nearest and dearest to my heart is conversion. This is a waste of time unless you map out how you're going to convert this. Okay. I, I'm, I'm, I'm about brand. And I'm willing to look into the future, but I'm at my heart of hearts, I am a direct response marketer. Okay. Right. And as a direct response marketer, I purposely built my coaching curriculum with to be a 12 week coaching curriculum. Why? I love marketing. 
Okay. I can't wait to get through this quarter and to find the next new person. That's like, Richard's amazing. Okay. And right. so for me, right. um, I, I want the conversion part. Cause that for me is like the fist pump. Right. But people do that last piece with the wrong intentions. People think mm. what's the right script that I could actually throw into someone's inbox to get them to respond and say yes to doing whatever I want them to do. And if you're a real estate agent, specifically if you're with EXP today, <laughs> you know, there's uh -oh. so many right hooks being thrown by EXP agents that people are becoming numb to the noise that's created. Right. Right. Yep. And so this is a heart posture. You and I have talked about this before. There's a heart posture here where you really have to want to bring value to your audience. You have to want to bring value to people before you ever ask for anything in return to a place where you're willing to be patient and you're willing to be uh, make it hurt on your end because you're bringing so much value before you ask for anything. So if we were going to map out a timeline here, it would be I would connect with you. And this might be a 30 to 45 day, 45 day timeline. I would connect with you. Okay. I would say, thank you for connecting with me. I would endorse your profile. I would find something of significant value. So for example, Tom Ferry recently did a video with uh, with Gary V. Okay, Tom Ferry is the top real estate agent coach in the world. Gary V is the fastest growing influencer in the world. There's right. a, a video, if you go search Tom Ferry and Gary V, the video was done by a media company called Dipity. Um, and, and, and there's only like 400 views on this video, but Tom Ferry and Gary Vee are combining to say, these are the five things every real estate agent should do in 2021 to grow their business. It's a powerhouse video. I would send that to you. Kyle thought of you when I wow. saw this. I know you're in real estate. Check this out. There's five ideas here that every real estate agent should be acting on. Hope you're doing well. Value. I don't have to be the creator. I can be a curator of so value. Good. And if I give you value and I give you value and I give you value, I can ask for something as simple as a 15 minute meeting with no strings attached. And, and so the, the ask for that meeting you're saying is coming at like the 30 to 40 day mark. If we mapped that out, we just went connection. Thank you. Maybe three days later, endorsement, maybe five days later, value five days later, value five days later, value five days later with an ask. It's about a 30 to 45 day window. Okay. Okay. We know this because we manage social for about 70 executive leaders. That process works. The reason why is because when you bring me value, I feel inclined to reciprocate. Now, there's a framework on the scripting you've got to use. And the framework's yeah. a, a non-salesy framework. Because yep. if, I, if I called you and I said to you, Kyle, I've done a ton of research on you. I know a lot about you. At least from a distance, it looks like our values are aligned. And I think this industry is changing in a big way. I think the next two to three years, we're going to see a lot of innovation. We're, we're going to see a lot more technology. We think that consumers and their behavior has been accelerated because of what happened in the pandemic. And so in the next two to three years, if something changes for you, I would love to be a leader you know and trust that you'd be willing to pick up the phone and call. And I realize the only way I can get there is if I try to build a relationship with you and don't try to recruit you so that we can get to know each other. So if I invite you into a 15 minute meeting and I promise to say no recruiting allowed, would you be willing to say yes to that? And that framework is a framework that 30% of people will say yes to yeah. versus come join the winning team. We're an amazing company. Have you seen our seven layers <laughs> of comp and the first 40 people you get are going to take you to X? right? Which is right. kind of a big mantra that real estate agents are using yeah. today. That's how you make a conversion. And most people don't want to put that much effort and energy into right. this process to get to the conversion. They simply want a script. They want to connect and throw a right hook and, 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 
and, and know that they can win. It's just not possible. Mm. So that the, the desire for right hook after right hook after right hook leads me to the, the last thing I wanted to to ask you about as we kind of wrap up this episode, because I think the reason people right hook so much is because they don't desire to have a genuine conversation with people. And, and that could be because that's how they were taught to sell, right? It, It could be for a number of reasons, but what I was fascinated with by you and, and then the culture of, of 4C recruiting is, you know, in the, in the about us on your website, the, the first bullet point that you have in, in, in regard to who you guys are is we do this because we love people and people matter to us. You know, we, we were chatting before I hit record on this episode that that's such a cliche thing to be able to say, but you mean it. And I feel it like it reads different on your website than it would probably read on EXP's website. What is it for you? Like, can you unpack for people like what that really means that, that like you love people? Because I think everyone would say that, but it wouldn't be true. Why is, why is that true for you? I, I've gone on a journey to figure out what my highest motivators are and some, and those are a lot of those are tied to my core values and those core values are tied to my life experiences. So there's a very deep rooted, like you can, if you get with, if you set with me, um, I mean, I take, I'll I'll give you an example on Monday, uh, Monday morning at 7am. My first meeting was with a regional manager of a shoe store in South Dakota. Okay. Oh, wow. He has, he, he will never pay the price for my coaching. Right. I can't, right. I can't, he needs an hour with me is all he needed. And, and if you listen to my podcast, then my podcast, it says, if you want to find out more book an hour, if you go to my, my LinkedIn page, it says, I give a, no strings attached. Be happy to spend an hour with you. He took me up on that booked an hour with me, he shows up. And for an hour, I gave him the best thing that I could give him, which is maybe three or four ideas that will literally change his career as a regional manager yeah. in a shoe store. Right. And he was taking notes the entire time. So, so it's, it is authentic because it comes from a deep, deep, deep rooted place. And mm. most leaders have only gone below the surface to understand these things. So I'll, I'll give examples. Wow. Um, I come from a broken place. Um, I had, um, my, I had no mentorship as a young man. I get into my, er, my early, um, teens. I left, I was in a very broken home, come from an abusive household. Um, I left home at the age of 19 and, um, I said, I'm never going to live like that. We grew up, we grew up lower income. Uh, duct tape, tennis shoes, ate government food, got evicted from houses. And I said, I'm never mm. going to live like that. Okay. Get in. I'm very driven in my twenties. I was super successful. Um, just because I, I, not because I'm smart. I just would outwork people. I was just tenacious. Sure. And I get all the way. It's like my mid thirties, no mentorship, no real good leadership. Like the, my best mentor was John Maxwell. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. like I read every book I had his leadership 101 book, his mentoring 101 book that were in my right hand drawer. They were basically the, the father figure or the mentor figure that I, if I would have had, I would have connected with. And I yeah. get to my mid thirties and I got none of this. Right. And there was just a yearning for me in my mid thirties to, to find mentorship. And I began to really pursue it. Um, because I had to work through some of my own wounds and some of this stuff to get to a place where I was willing sure. to be open-handed in it. I get to a place where I pursue it. In my mid-30s, my life, my life accelerated, like growth accelerated, like income accelerated, career accelerated. Why? Because I had tapped into mentors. And I and I the fastest way to get from A to B 
is to find someone else that's already gone the journey and taken the path that can tell you how to get there. Yeah. So one of the things I'm really clear on is that at the age of 48 and all of the experiences, the failures that I've had, the wins that I've had, I am at a place where I'm an information aggregator today. I can tell you things like that that I know are going to be true just based off of a little bit of information because you're at a sweet spot in your career where you have more life experiences. And so I just know that early on, like at a deep rooted place, like I yearned. I mean, I could tell you, I could almost weep in my 20s because I needed like a mentor. I needed someone to give me direction. I didn't have it. I just kept seeking, seeking, seeking. So when I start talking about my why and how I love people um, there, I'm very clear on like where I've been, the journey that I've come through, come through the value that I have, that I have to bring. I'm clear on my larger calling, which is like even the parable of the steward in scripture, right? Where yeah. it reveals the heart of the master, the, the three, the three um, uh, men that he gave, um, you know, uh, these talents to and where yeah. someone went and took and duplicated the talent. And the master said, well done. You've been faithful over a few, I'll make you rule over many, but the one that did nothing with his talent, uh, what the mm -hmm. heart of the master said in that, which was depart from me. And so I'm very clear on like my, on, on, on whose I am, which is God's. And yep. I'm very clear that I've been given an opportunity here with my calling and my passion and my experience to have a large place of impact and influence. And so when I say things like I love people, all right, and I want to serve people, it comes from a heart posture. It doesn't come from trying to facilitate more money. It doesn't come from trying to close another coaching client. It comes from a very pure place. And I think as, as individuals, when we can get to that place where it's really, truly altruistic, it's not connected. We all need money at some level, right? And so, sure. so yeah. it has to facilitate that, you know? Um, but, but when you can get to a place where your heart posture is, I would serve you for free because I'm so passionate about serving my community because I'm mm -hmm. so clear on my calling. That is where something like that overflows from. Mm. So good. Richard, you're unbelievable. The, this has been, we're over 50 episodes in. This has been one of my favorite ones. So I don't like, there, there's nothing else to even ask after that. Like, it's just, it's so good. And, and guys, I would just encourage you as you heard him say that, you know, like we know, like no one knows our own heart better than we do. And so, you know, as you hear that story and as you hear the, the people that are a part of it, like you, you, you can feel that irk if you're like, Oh, I, I need to be better. Or you can go, yes, that's me. I'm, I'm on the right path. And, and so Richard, I'm just so, I'm, I'm so thankful for you and I, I can't wait to, well, hopefully you allow me to be your friend beyond just coming on my, <laughs> coming on my podcast. Yeah. Even it. if I have to pay money it's one day done. to be close okay. to you, you know, whatever I have to do, uh, but thank you for, for coming on the show. This has just been unbelievable. How do people connect to you if, if they want to, which everyone is going to. Yeah. I'm active on social, believe it or not. <laughs> so you yeah. can find me on, find me on Instagram. I'm active there, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter. I have a podcast called recruiting conversations. Uh, you can list other 62 episodes there. Um, but I have a, a calendar, a live calendar that's very simply bookrichardnow.com. And that will show you awesome. what, uh, what uh, opportunities are there to actually set up a meeting with me. So I'm pretty easy to find. Awesome. Richard, thank you. This has been incredible. It's awesome. I appreciate you having me, Kyle. Guys, this has been a really, really cool episode of the Social Media Mindset. 
We'll be back real soon with another really cool person. Maybe not as cool as Richard, but still really cool and a really cool story. See ya. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Social Media Mindset Podcast. If this episode made an impact, please consider subscribing, leaving a review, and talking about it on social media. Go make a difference, and we'll see you soon.